We hit record. We're good. We're good. Uh, insert musical cue here. Buddy. Um, my name is Michelle Perez. I'm joined with my friend Jake, my friend Ruben, and Eliza. Just in the shortest way I can have this discussion because it came up with Jake and Ruben. Gauger or Gager? It's Gager. Son of a bitch. For fucking years, I've been a fool. No, nope, it's fine. Gauger. Yeah. One that Gager. I knew it. No, All that's right. it's that's such a common mispronunciation that my brother, who is an opera singer, and he has to go to auditions and shit where people are always saying his name. He just changed it. He's like, "Yeah, it's mm. Gogger now. You're right." <laughs> Good job. You you got me. Oh wow! Well, uh, you learn something new every day. Eliza Gager. Tears streaming down my face. Uh, welcome to. We are a podcast that's kind of focusing on. The DIY experience and, I guess, independent creation across many forms as you see it out in the world. And in the immediate uh, interim, the digital space. Uh, Our focus is kind of about musicians, uh, writers, people in comics, art, and many other forms of uh, expression. And I think... I kind of want to go through uh, everyone's relation to this. Uh, Jake, uh, what are you working? Uh, Hello. I, um, all right. Well, my name is Jake. I've been on the internet for quite a long time. That's how I know Uh, Michelle and everyone else in this podcast. I know it's a, it's a bad place to be. Um, Previously, as far as uh, exposure to DIY culture, most of mine has been through liking a lot of underground music and being involved therein. Uh, I've written for local music zines and just been a guy at a lot of shows of bands you've probably never heard of um, that don't make any money from the work that they do. As far as sustenance goes, they are more in it for the culture. All of them have side jobs and stuff. Is primarily how I was introduced to the idea of people just making art that they want to on their own terms, despite uh, whatever the world might have to say about that. And other than that, I like a lot of, um, I guess, just comic books and other things that fall under the indie realm uh, outside of like those big two publishers. Mm-hmm. You've, you've done some TV and whatnot as well. Yes, but none of that, uh, I should note, has been independent. All of the work I've done in television has been for large companies. <laughs> uh, that's fair, but I, I you know, I, I guess it, it's yeah. a living. I think no, everyone yeah, it, 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 and you DIY work with independent people in that industry as well. Seem to have like some sort of side gig or thing that kind of propels them moving forward. Uh, Eliza, Eliza uh, you, you have a repertoire of many things you have done over the years. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm trying to like cut it down to a, like a, a CV sized. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, well, my dad is a science fiction novelist and cartoonist. So I, I kind of, I got into it really early, which I think kids should. I mean, we used to like send kids into apprenticeships when they were nine, 10 years old. And that's really when you want to start doing that stuff professionally. So I started selling my work when I was 12. Um, and I've just, uh, got, I've been lucky. I've had a lot of support and that's 
that's actually one of the, the key aspects of DIY culture is like, you need, you need material support or you're fucked and you can either get it yourself or, or someone can give it to you. So, um, yeah, like, uh, when I was in fifth grade, I sold hundreds of dollars worth of handmade jewelry so that I could go on the science trip. Um, <laughs> and that's, that was kind of like the, the big one where it started. And I, uh, I turned that into a club of a bunch of other little girls and we got in the newspaper. And then after the science trip, we started doing like environmental fundraising and stuff. And, um, um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've done a little bit of everything. I think my focus is probably in uh, fine art and illustration, but I've also been a freelance writer. Um, I worked for Kotaku, Destructoid, Wired. Um, I ran my own blog for a while. Uh, it was just like a culture blog called Ectoplasmosis. There might even be some people who used to read that. Uh, I, I'll stop you right there. Was it like, yeah, it was ectoplasmosis. I, I, I saw like a, a handle or something like toxoplasm or something mm -hmm. or my, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I believe you've also done like fashion. You've, you've done it all really. Yeah. I've, um, I don't know. The whole family's kind of weirdos and just, you know, I, I got a lot of support for that early. I did, costume design. Uh, I was talking about in the discord, how, uh, I, you guys were talking about, um, uh, like DIY music and like goth guar and like really specific niche bands. I was, <laughs> I was in one of those, uh, for years. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to go through the, the whole list, but I'm, I'm one of those people where sometimes during conversations with other people who have been on the internet a long time, I'll just mention something and the people will be like, oh shit, you did that? Holy shit. Which is a really good feeling. So that's kind of why I keep coming back to it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the sense of the sense of found, but also created community, I think keeps a lot of people in it despite, I think a lot of either hardships or precarity or like infighting, like all that dog shit. But people, people like being able to do things on their own terms, uh, which brings me to Ruben. Uh, Ruben, what are you into? What do you do, my guy? Um, I woke up kind of late today. My schedule schedule's not been great. Um, I, I finished uh, wedging uh, my axe today. I got like a nice, uh, like 30 inch oak handle on there. I found out the best wood for it, um, but there's not like a nice, lot of nice wood out here. Other than that, for uh, DIY stuff, um, I, I don't sell shit. It, it's really just for um, myself to enjoy outside of woodworking and making uh, little utility things for the house, a little table here or there, or something for the cat. Um, I just do some photography for the hell of it. Um, nice with it. Uh, I'm in a niche board gaming a bit. Um, I've moved into Mahjong and Go in recent years, uh, as in recent year. Um, he's, he's underselling it. He won't shut the fuck up about Go. It's incredible. Well, um, more to the DIY point, Ruben, didn't you design games uh, by yourself for a while? Oh, right. Yeah, I also designed board games for about like five to seven years, um, either pen and paper or board game. Didn't really move far enough to try and like publish anything or get too far into public playtesting. That might just be uh, just 
just for lack of time. Uh, just I usually get busy at some point and then put it all down, and then it just kind of sits there. It's just getting dust. So, so you're so so Ruben uh, is kind of is kind of like different among a lot of my friends, where a lot of us will kind of externalize it. He'll like internalize it, and he'll like have a utility form. For everything like he does in his life, the the wood and stuff he works on, he'll incorporate that into his day to day life, and I think it, I think it's kind of why I wanted you involved. Everyone I've known, uh, lies. I think I've known you about five or six years. I want to say, mm-hmm. uh, Ron, Ruben, and Jake for about ten years, and I, I was thinking, you know, now, uh, especially since we're all kind of. Uh, basically left to our own devices in a very literal way. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of anxieties or this or that. And a big question uh, people ask themselves nowadays is like, uh, how do I change this or that big overarching thing? And for me, uh, my work, I think, has just been directly related to precarity and all of the problems. But for me, I, I, I did comics. I did DIY comics with Remy Boydell. I had a portfolio of uh, basically games, criticisms, blog, or great, excuse me, game criticism blogging. I had done in the past a medium difficulty, five out of 10 mag. I moved on to music writing uh, for the rainbow hub. And basically, I wanted to strike out and do my own thing. And I co-created The Pervert with Remy Boydle and uh, a, a subsequent zine. And, you know, we we got quite a few interviews. We were doing stuff for Huffington Post and all this or that. It was, it was a pretty good time. Uh, and for the most part, uh, my discovery of a lot of DIY people is seeing how many shared interests we had and how divergent they were. And I feel like people seem to have more sense of stake and love in what they have uh, when they are tied innately to it. A new phenomena, however, uh, that I think is like the new preeminent sort of DIY creator that probably defines this modern era I don't know if you've heard of this website. It is called YouTube. Uh, so yeah, lazy on, Sunday, right? Yeah, lazy. Yeah, lazy Sunday. If you like jokes uh, about Lord of the Rings or Narnia, or if you are into video games and you want to see individual fatalities done to each Mortal Kombat character by each other individual Mortal Kombat character, I do. or if you want to. Okay, yeah, that's a real that's a real use of YouTube. I just want to point out that's yeah. utilitarian. Someone's yeah. actually going in and editing those together, and that person's doing a public service. Mm-hmm. If if you if you want to start a white supremacist death cult, it's okay, YouTube. Bad. It's a website. You can use it. Don't forget. Uh, don't forget. You can also get every uh, every Memorex logo from every version of the video VHS cassettes they made on YouTube. That's a very good one. If you want a pirate, uh audiobooks it's youtube you can do it uh and youtube has sort of created a new sort of creative where 
to kind of do what was referred to as convergence marketing, where it's not one thing. It's like seven fucking things. A YouTube creator basically is in charge of their own engagement, advertisement, and and all of these facets of uh, their income stream. Writing, filming, editing, usually. Writing, filming, editing, and even even their cult of personality is like this very cultivated, curated, manicured, freakish fucking thing that is beyond my scope of understanding. Uh, the YouTubers I personally look at are like video game modders. There's like one guy I maybe consistently look at. His name is Juicehead. He is this very fucking boring Fallout 4 modder who always ends his videos with like a psychology fact. Uh, oh, this guy like, sounds great. He's great. Uh, he, uh, J- Jake, if you want to add in a clip, I'll find of uh, this guy. He's very nasally, but he's like, he goes out of his way to not, he goes out of his way to be like pleasant. He will not arouse any feelings, good or bad, in you. I, I like YouTubers like that. He is, he is like a sandalwood-scented YouTuber. You're not going to feel too strongly. Uh, and Ruben, Ruben in particular, has one area of expertise. Uh, when Jake and I were speaking to him one day that I thought, we just throw a whole episode at, at this as our sort of inaugural opening firing shot into the to the uh, in no way oversaturated podcasting market space and uh, hit us up, man. Who the fuck is Jenna Marbles? Wait, I just need to contextualize one thing. I'm sorry, Ruben. Yeah. Uh, The reason that I ever think of Ruben as a YouTube expert is because we are frequently in a discord channel together and the constant presence of Ruben is marked by the background of YouTube videos going on in his house. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, him like it's just, his it's partner. Just, yeah, his partner is always watching YouTube. Sometimes that is the most exposure that I get personally. Yeah, if you want to listen to some true crime mukbang, I got some recommendations for you. But that's not why oh, we're here yeah. today. Oh my god! Anyways, go on, Ruben. <laughs> today we're talking about Jenna Marvels, um, uh, YouTube poster child darling, and now retired uh, vlogger. That's uh, pretty Jennifer notable. Moray. Uh, is now age 34, um, residing out of California near LA or something. That doesn't matter. Um, her career took off in 2010 with a video titled How to Trick People Into Thinking You're Good Looking. She got 5.5 million views in the first week. It was a really uh, good video. That leaves Miss mm-hmm. uh, Marvels uh, with 20 million subscribers um, on her now inactive channel uh, for three months now. Um, uh, just some notable things. I like to just get a little bit of information, just general background. I like accomplishments, the like. I just have a loose list here. Uh, Ms. Marbles was uh, the uh, first social media star, so just like influencer type, non-Hollywood figure, to have a wax figure displayed at Madame Tussauds uh, wow. out of New York City. Love uh, it. She has a video of her flying, going with the team, getting scanned and all that. Uh, she did like a selfie pose so that you can like get in under her arm and take a fun picture with her statue. <laughs> um, which is really cool also to see that teamwork. I recommend it just to see uh, how those people uh, make a make a fun wax. Um, she's currently living outside of Monaco with her four dogs, Kermit, Bunny, Peach, and Marbles, which a majority of her content revolve around these four great dogs. Uh, 
Uh, Bunny being a new adopted um, big ass fucking greyhound. Uh, I got pictures out here in the chat where you can go to the Jenna Marbles fan wiki if you just want to have uh, gross access to this information. Uh, Mr. Marbles being her first dog that was with her when her career started in 2010. This old fucking dog is so old now. <laughs> this tiny oh my god. Old. It's the oldest dog you've ever seen. Wait, I mean, wait, 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 wait. Is half the time. Sure. The I'm trying to think here. Okay. Dog one, tiny. Dog Marble? bunny, bunny is the big one. Bunny's huge. Massive yeah, greyhounds. The greyhounds are Jesus. massive. Big, mm-hmm. big. Uh, They're really long, big. long dogs. Uh, and then we have current peach or Italian greyhounds. And these are those are still toy size. Medium, bigger than marbles. Marbles is still like almost palm sized. This fucking decrepit old, old piece of shit dog. <laughs> Marvel's <laughs> great because he was so old when um, Julius Solomita got into General Marvel's life in 2013. About, uh, we'll get to him in a second. Her partner, uh, Julian Solomita. Oh, okay. Uh, Marvel's uh, is pretty fucking old Chihuahua. About 2015, 2016. Although Marvel's likes Julian, Marvel's is now at a age where he forgets that he likes Julian mm. and will just sit there oh. growling at him. Mm-hmm. And it, and then if you pick him up and pet him, he's like, oh, this is nice. And as soon as you set him down, his fucking angry ass chihuahua barking in your face. He's great. I love Marvel's. Aww. A real one. Uh, Kermit and Peach are just fucking little shitheads, though. Um, there are <clears throat> pictures up in the chat there. Julian Salamita uh, was her partner. Uh, they started on YouTube in 2013. He made some small appearances, mainly did camera operation for her. Um, he has his own channel and Twitch stream. Uh, he's significant because once they were together, uh, they were a very lovey-dovey fun couple on YouTube. Except they would never acknowledge their relationship, just as a general bit um, for the chat on streams and everything. They will only ever say they're friends and then will not kiss uh, on video. And if anyone says, when are you guys going to get married? All of the hardcore Jenna heads will comment they're just friends <laughs> and that use is, the shit out of everyone. That is actually pretty funny. Yeah, Very good technique. Um, uh, 2015, uh, Miss Marvels became a vegan. That's only of note because it would change all of their Jenna and Julian kitchen videos to being about uh, vegan recipes uh, and the like and um, Julian's forthcoming uh, gluten intolerance and then uh, <laughs> I remember. I'm really fucking tired, y'all. <laughs> no, don't be. I had some coffee. You're, you're going I'm through all the facts. I'm going to stop you just for a second. So, oh, yeah. upcoming gluten intolerance? Are there like eras, like the pre gluten era? <laughs> we have a uh, decade of, yeah. yeah. I, mean, that's, 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 I am, as a gluten intolerant person, I can tell you that that era is where you're like eating cake and then feeling like absolute shit and you don't know why. And then you eat more cake. Cause you're hungry. Cause your, your, your body is just not accepting nutrients anymore. So you're starving you're just eating toast and yeah, it's, it's hell basically. Um, and then you find out that you can't eat gluten and then you can't like eat most food anymore. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be both a vegan and not be able to eat gluten. Like that's it. You can't eat anything fun. anymore. It's quite a limiting <clears throat> diet. Yeah. You can go outside and eat things you find on the ground. <laughs> you can eat stuff from a tree yeah yeah we only found this out recently from our partner fran because it was just really weird that she get diarrhea 90 percent of the time eating anything we couldn't yep. figure out what the fuck it was yeah you're allergic to food idiot that was how i felt <laughs> when i figured it out i'm like oh if i don't eat most food i'm fine yeah it's it's gluten 
Um, let's see. Uh, so, uh, in terms of what's Jenna doing right now, uh, of course, she retired. Uh, mainly, I'm bringing her up uh, to get to other people. But uh, she stepped down from the platform uh, about three months ago. She issued a formal message saying um, she's pretty much done. She's not going to come back. Uh, she doesn't believe she ever will. And she's also taking steps that look like uh, she's done for good. Which is good for her. You know, uh, live a life. You're successful. She had a little bit of a meltdown, right? Like she had a she had kind of a farewell video and sort of self-canceled a little bit because of. Uh, yeah. We what what was it? It was a video she did a few years ago, right? She felt bad about it. Uh, yeah, she was essentially saying um, some of her previous videos should have been fell into the realm of brown facing. Essentially, yeah. uh, she uh, she had a good and, and just like some stereotypical things like slut shaming things. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some like Asian stereotypes thrown around. The main thing was she was deep into. She worked at a tanning salon, so she always was running a spray tan, mm-hmm. and she would just do dumb shit. She was running like a deep deep like brown spray tan mm-hmm. and then did a Nicki Minaj video and then ki- and then kind of you put together later that um, <laughs> oh, maybe no. you had this spray tan for months though before that so I'm not yeah. trying to all news articles currently though sell it as due to blackface backlash but right. she brought it up to say as a point this stuff's not great I wish it didn't happen like that yeah. I didn't know you know contextually it makes sense but most news outlets will right now report to but all right, right Ruben canceled Ruben. another another one by Sadas. Yeah, which Ruben. I don't I don't think it's fair, really. Just yeah, a lot of people were not about that for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ruben is uh, the the resident brownest person here. Uh, so the tan itself uh, was it like tan or was it like Al Pacino and Scarface? Like the range um, is a spectrum. Do you know what a what a what a girl that's doing the Gyaru look looks like? Oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. One of the yeah. That deep. the Japanese pretty, pretty fucking deep. We're past orange. There's like a mount of brown, kind of cacao powder ish color. Mm-hmm. You're not Al Pacino at that point. You're you're Willem Dafoe in Once Upon a Time in Mexico. God right. damn. Well, I mean, not to defend it, but I mean, one of the reasons I know anything about Jenna Marbles is because I was also a go-go dancer. And she was she was like a professional go-go dancer at a big club for a while, right? Wasn't that her main job when she did her yep. first? Yeah. That was a so, back to the for a few years. Before the the years. main thing about the how to trick people into thinking that you're attractive video is lots and lots and lots of bronzer. And the thing about that is that it hides, it's like pantyhose for your entire body. It hides cellulite, which is a big deal for go-go dancers. And because every single a fab person has some cellulite somewhere. It doesn't matter if they weigh a hundred pounds. Um, but with go-go dancing, you really have to watch that shit. And it's actually hard to wear pantyhose when you're dancing for a lot of reasons I won't get into. So there's this whole culture with stripping and go-go dancing and all that stuff is that you, even the white girls, you want to be as tan as possible because it makes you look a lot thinner due to uh, the way that light bounces off you. Again, pantyhose. And it also hides cellulite and varicose veins. Bruises is a big one because you get hell of bruised when you are stripping or go-go dancing because you're always on your knees or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's why it's it's that whole that whole culture. Comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. It was just unfortunate crossroads is kind of what it looks like for anyone that was in the know. But yeah. any news headline right now is uh, I looked up any like 10 articles written at the time and that's how everyone wants to sell it. So 
I mean, yeah, that there, there, yeah, I, I would say then, yeah, there, that's that's much different as opposed to say like leaning into it. I'm trying to think of, uh, I'm trying to think of this one. Uh, she had beefed with me at some point or another in the 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 bygone Twitter era. An Blair enemy White. of the show. An enemy of the show. Uh, uh, Blair White. Our uh, first official enemy of the show. Yeah, the good, the the great, the great Satan, uh, basically, sort of like a like a Roy Cohn style trans, uh, where she kind of leaned into wearing like a black facial mask, and then you'd take the next logical mimetic step, and it's like, yeah, canceled for doing blackface, right? And yep. you know, do the the weird anti soy face uh, YouTube pick or whatever. And I, yeah, I think there's a difference between, you know, leaning into the thing Mm -hmm. versus say, this is like sort of anecdotal. This is not like a thing she deliberately aimed for and had a specific aim to be like uh, incendiary or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, uh, it's not that I don't want to be unsympathetic or whatever, uh, I think in terms of of large scale problems, I think a self cancellation uh, works one of two ways now in modern society. As a personal observation, I see it in media, particularly a specific type of journalist that tries to move in and out of like culture war crap. You self cancel if you w- basically want to make twice the money you made in the past. Uh, so you want to be like a five figure guy, hopefully moving to a six figure guy with an installed base with YouTubers. Uh, the actual amount of exposure they get is massive. I don't think she would do like a bad faith thing. I've watched some of her stuff. She seems very personable. She had, my first time actually hearing about the, her was not like, uh, via YouTube, she had like a radio show on XM. I don't know if she still does it where she's like on the XM pop top uh, 40 uh, chart sort of thing. And she would just sort of do her YouTuber diction and cadence. Like she sounds much different than the standard BJs that sort of do their thing. Mm-hmm. And, that's how I knew her. But for the most part, it seems fairly inoffensive. Like I, I don't feel strong in one way or the other. Uh, That's how I feel about all of the, I mean, not all probably, but like all the, whatever you want to call first generation of YouTube uh, is fairly inoffensive. And then I don't feel strongly about it one way or another. I mean, uh, like around the time the cancellation or whatever was happening, uh, Ruben, like yeah. what were other YouTubers that, was, that, that were was like, this year, by the way, that was this year. This year. Like, yeah. It was just in June. Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> um, like there was like a wave, there was like a death wave happening. Uh, so yeah, there were essentially other people already under the gun. Uh, you know, we finally, uh, came to the shores uh, to cancel YouTubers with millions of subscribers. And, you know, th- they wanted as much flesh as they could get out of the situation. Uh, the most notable ones that I'm aware of that were very on the heels of this uh, would be people that 
voluntarily canceled themselves uh, as a sort of a, an attempt at redemption after Jenna Marbles, saying she was so brave for what she did for accidentally brown facing, even though she had a tan from like a job that she had. And, you know, you don't think about that probably. And, uh, <laughs> and Shane Dawson now admitted and, and hmm, not proven in a court of law, but yeah, a pedophile <laughs> jumped, <laughs> cool. on, uh, jumped on the street and threw himself under a bus to be like, I'm sure people will let this go if I cancel myself and then sh- do a pseudo retirement and come back. In <laughs> wow. And his career oh, is not is, covered this is, as planned. This is Shane Dawson of, I didn't fuck my cat fame. Shane Dawson of, I didn't jizz on my cat fame. That's correct. He he did like a makeup line with Jeffrey Star. He did makeup line with Jeffrey Star. They were they were big buds. He started doing his weird conspiracy theory documentaries, and then also wanted to do a uh, auto, not even really autobiography. They kind of just fucked around for an hour about Jeffrey Star and Jeffrey Star's day to day. It feels like um, once you start making a conspiracy theory doc, that's when the money's gotten to you. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, to a point, uh, there's there's things where YouTuber, I, think, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, like I think there's casual observance of conspiracies. Like my dad to this day is convinced he's like seen died in the wool UFOs, and now that the oh, fucking yeah. military has like come out and said, yeah, there's some shit we actually can't explain and would quantify it as such. Mm-hmm. So it's like is is. Is my dad the asshole, or or am I the asshole at this point? It's like, no, no, man. They said you were right, so that's on me. But, uh, so all right, the Shane Dawson thing. That one seems particularly odious. Did did he like specify? You know, you don't have to get into the details of the action, but was it like, you know? Like a there, thing. Were, there were other fan incidents I didn't get it too far into because, again, I'm not a Shane head. Uh, the last thing of Shane's I saw was him uh, starting the – not starting. I think he helped kind of kickstart the Chuck E. Cheese, the pizza is recycled conspiracy theory. Oh, uh, wow. Like within a week of hearing about it, or I thought he made it up and then posted it and then made a documentary with Chuck E. Cheese ate pizzas and then made that roll through Instagram and uh, other social media platforms for a couple months. And then almost started a defamation lawsuit as a result. And he had to really try and cover his ass. Wow. So, uh, but the action so far was there was an incident with uh, public proclamation. Uh, he publicly said something about Willow Smith sexualizing her to some degree or something like that. Was this and, the poster um, incident? Maybe. Uh, I think I'm, it is. I'm having a real time remembering. Uh, just he held up a of poster things. of Willow Smith in a video and pretended to masturbate to it. Ah, uh, that was sound. Right. That would sound about right. All right, uh, a bit not not to not to not to to writhe around in this, but did he do like the audio joke where he makes like the noise? Oh, I don't know. I didn't look that on, far into immediately it. Immediately on deck with the, the didn't even have to bat an eyelash to produce that sound, Michelle. Yeah, yeah no. If someone makes that noise, uh, you know, I'm no, I'm no doctor, I'm no social scientist, I'm no anthropologist, but that person is probably a pedophile. Uh, just you know, you could quote me, but yeah, no, that's that's fucked. Uh, and yeah, there was Shane Dawson. Jeffrey Star did some sort of video in like a 
Were there columns and a stairway? Stairway uh, of Mr. Star with columns and a stairway? Yeah, he, he was like wearing a robe and he was like, I, I need to do a, a an address of some sort with all of these rumors. Oh yeah, I think Jeffrey Star Jeffrey Star was over over the barrel for um, just being a real big racist, and uh, I'm not sure if that had to do with like his breakup or anything like that. And then immediately getting with a black guy um, on the hill of being I'm not racist, and then doing a lot of weird photos recently of like being the footstool for the token black boyfriend on the heels of not being racist. Hmm. Um, it's one way to it's one way to go for it. Dear God. Um, but, I mean, Jeffree Star has made some mistakes, and I think you really can't walk back the sort of mistakes Jeffree Star has made, um, including some Epstein-esque uh, secret orgies uh, situations yes. for, for millionaires. Yeah, I've gotten to this before when we were talking about it. Please, please talk about that. Uh, it's, it's only mentioned in passing, kind of. Of course, we can't get a lot of information out of it, but Jeffree Star essentially says, uh, in my dumbass mansion... Uh, we, you know, like we take everyone's phones at least for every New Year's, probably more often, and have just a massive orgy, and you just restrict all electric communications because it's supposed to be private. Um, but the privacy might be uh, in some gossiping circles because teenagers are probably getting shipped in for this. And this also, this also is crossing with Shane Dawson, best friends with Shane Dawson, teenager orgies, uh, and you know the pedophilia coming together. Now- now I don't want to be one of those people that traffics in the uh, the sort of reactionary shit where this person from that experience or whatever, and then you make that casual association with pedophilia. I think I think part of the problem I think with a lot of this shit is sort of access culture, which is inherent with a lot of media. Uh, you get a lot of these guys who basically only form relationships with their specific fandom and just work out of a really small space. And then they are just surrounded by a bunch of impressionable fans. And then it's just a fucking recipe for disaster. Then you mix that with say, I don't know, uh, a goddamned uh, mansion. And then it just kind of goes in the same cyclical bits of old timey Hollywood and, uh, taking advantage of minors and shit like that. It's, it's really wild uh, because, because I think that was a big part of the, the YouTuber death wave. There's like, as an aside, it's not necessarily related to YouTube, but uh, uh, Jake, you, you remember Evo? <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. That was <laughs> good Lord. Talk about something that's probably not going to come back. Um well, yeah, Evo because Evo of because smash. of an association with uh, with essentially pedophilia. Yeah, uh, I think. Yeah, these are fighting think, game tournaments for the listeners. Um, large yeah. Evo Evo previously the largest uh, uh, whatever you want to call it open bracket open entry uh, video game event of in the world basically, uh, where all the fighting game players come together to play. Uh, one of the primary organizers and co-founders was, yeah, essentially accused of being very dubious to some teenage boys in the fighting game scene way back in the day when all of the dudes would act like that in big quotes. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, generational homophobia and such. 
amongst a bunch of dudes hanging out with each other also turned into a guy trying to take advantage of people. I, I don't want to say that DIY is an inoculant for it. If anything, I think we could this, yeah, we these could are, see yeah. this as the sort of uh, when you get big enough and it, 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 it becomes corporatized and, and you are just sort of a, you are just sort of a gateway for people to come in and, and you just, you just sort of breathe that rarefied air for too long I feel like it's almost sort of conducive to mishandling this. And I think it's actually probably good that Jenna Marbles got out of it. Cause mm-hmm. like, I don't think, I don't think it's like a one-to-one value. I don't believe it, yeah. it leads to that, but it's one of the fucking roads there what, without question. As someone who really hasn't actually seen, uh, you know, probably more than two minutes of Jenna Marbles content. One thing that struck me for what Ruben was saying was uh, she seems to have made a lot of the, the decisions I would make if I was in YouTube, which is to axe out a lot of the personal aspects of it, mm-hmm. i.e. Not, not acknowledging her relationship with her co-host or whatever. Um, and then also at a certain point going, hey, there's uh, there's no reason for me to be here anymore and dipping out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's, it seems that's, like you know. the most graceful exit, and um, although she's a she is a very nice person, it does seem like she had a troubled exit. There, there was a there, there's a decline of sorts. You can kind of track uh, just from you know the decade of data that you have to work with. That sure, I mean she she dropped off like any fan meetups. She used to go to just, you know you're you're getting run ragged going to conventions, going to personal meetup events, flying constantly. Um, and just over time, she just like stopped doing all of that, stopped traveling locations for vlogs, stopped doing travel vlogs, just everything's getting shot out of her house at a certain point. And then it just kind of sets in that she's just like, I literally the last, I would say at least three years of her content, she would probably at least make a joke every month or so of like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know why you all want to watch a 32 year old, uh, make shoes for her dogs. And uh, and they just, just fucking inner sweats, just shooting a 15 minute video, six million views, sure. And yeah, um, she just, yeah, I can imagine honestly, like you could definitely see it dragging on of like her doing the most and then doing really well. But uh, yeah, that good things come to an end. There's no real endpoint other than fizzle out over the next five years, maybe just getting weird or take an exit and go be a person again. Mm-hmm. So. To circle back around a little bit, why are we talking about Jenna Marbles? Like, it's interesting on its own for sure, but let's let's bring so it. As a, uh, as a main, as a, just for YouTube uh, sake, uh, I mainly bring up Jenna Marbles' retirement and just give background on her for being the person that did it right, uh, because it also kind of sets a milestone for um, as weird as YouTube has been for landscape for the last decade for creators to become stars, but not stars in the typical sense, because Hollywood, there's actually a lot of like microaggressions against YouTubers from Hollywood types or formal <laughs> stars. Oh yeah. Um, they, a, a lot of vlogs, you can find people being like, they just talk hot shit about YouTubers and are really disrespectful. I mean, and just ugh. like, like waiters disrespect you. Like you want to get a table on a Tuesday <laughs> night and you just want a fucking burger. And a guy's like, these fucking YouTubers want to get a table. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm trying to eat dinner. And well, well, it's because the YouTuber has sort of supplanted our idea of like the traditional celebrity. Uh, I, I would say, yeah, it's I guess like the like created celebrity. Idea. I think of I think of that idea as uh, something that young people have, and something that I have not even latched onto. <laughs> well, yeah, but like I, 
my my nieces well okay my one niece who is very youtube active i fucking wish to god her parents restricted this shit more uh like have you have you seen like kids youtube like at all yeah. All I know about kids YouTube is the weird auto-generated videos that sometimes get seeded with people making like Dora the Explorer like trips over and cries for 10 minutes and it's or all like horrifying. goes to the dentist. Yeah, it's it, terrible. Yeah. When like, I said you know those- something about this on I was I was like on Twitter when the the um when the news story about that stuff went out, I can't remember yeah. what exactly which venue did it but yeah that you know someone covered it and just how fucked up it was and i posted on twitter i'm like who is watching who is letting their child sit in front of a screen unsupervised yeah. for three hours and a bunch of parents like talked back to me and was like well i can't watch them every minute but and i'm like i was not i mean my mom worked fucking 50 hours a week she was a lawyer i didn't i still was not just plopped in front of a screen not even a tv like if we were watching TV, she would come over and check it out. And that was yeah. always the case. And I can't imagine knowing the horrors that lurk, you know, one click away at any part of the internet. I would never, ever, ever let a, sm- especially not a small child, like a two or a three-year-old. I would not oh, let yeah. them on the internet unsupervised. That's fucking crazy. And, you know, the parents being like, oh, well, you know, YouTube kids is this whole thing. And they said it was safe. I'm like, really? You trust fucking YouTube to decide what appropriate programming is for your toddler? Really? Yeah. It's yeah. amazing to me. It's I I can't I, imagine. I really feel yeah. like it's this certain slice of the generation that is old enough to have these children, but but clearly is not as uh uh inundated with online as you or i let's say and doesn't have this view like it's yeah it's wild to me to think that there's a person out there that's that's in that that sort of space of yeah i know how to well, use the internet to entertain my children but i don't think about it that much <laughs> well the thing i i think of is is sort of the the lack of supervision and then i i don't think everything's inherently bad but like the stuff I see that kind of weirds the fuck out of me is okay. So there are parent and child YouTubers where it's like, that sounds normal as hell. And they're like playing through games, but they're essentially like newgrounds.com style games where it's like SpongeBob meets like Jigsaw from Saw. Mm-hmm. And so it's SpongeBob SquarePants and like violent situations where he's trying to like play through some guy, a Saw style game. Or and, and like what a father and son are playing this together is what you're saying? Yeah. And oh, okay, my okay. niece is watching it and I'm like, oh, what's that? It's like, oh, SpongeBob versus Jigsaw. And I'm like, how's how SpongeBob one gonna make it out of that? And two, like <laughs> how do you have fair. like a how do you have a familiarity with Jigsaw? And right. I mean, I remember being around 10 or 11 and maybe sneaking in horror movies and right. stuff, but like my parents were sort of atypical. They they were cool with letting me see X amount of violence, but with the caveat that they were like able to explain that it was fantasy. Exactly. If I saw tits in the same movie off the table, cover my eyes, <laughs> like the crow, the crow is, yeah. the crow is like a great movie. And I saw that as a kid, but like anytime nudity appeared, you know, hand over the eyes. Uh, I watched the matrix very young. I watched, I watched a, a bunch of shit. Blade. It was a great time, 
my mom got us like pizza and soda and stuff. And we were like all sitting around watching Blade, having a good old time. I'm not sure if there were titties in Blade, but you know, like we we were able to clearly divine that this was fantasy and like our that that was the ceiling. It wasn't like they were trying to be hyper woke for the time. It was just uh as opposed to just and burying a- your head in the sand. Right? Yeah. Like, we all know movies are fake. My 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 parents were trying to like do a basic level of media literacy because they would both be working a lot of hours. So they couldn't just put a V chip in the TV or some shit and call it a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted to talk to us as opposed to like just to, yeah, just like talking <laughs> about it after the fact. Oh yeah, you know. Hell, it, my mom was in the kitchen or something, and she heard someone being misogynistic on the TV. She'd yell. She'd be like, "Bad role model," and we'd be like, "Thanks, mom. We got it." She just she was just like <laughs> always paying attention. Owns. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean that's not typical, and not all parents have that have the privilege oh, to yeah. be monitoring. But still, like, yeah, yeah, and uh, and and my parents are like by no means college educated people. Well, Ma is Ma. Ma got her degree a few years ago. We're all very happy for her. Dad. Dad uh, didn't even didn't even pass high school. Now the foreman of or it had been the foreman of several factories and now does construction. Nice. He loves working outside, but like, so very, very blue collar upbringing. So these aren't like, these aren't people that sort of are helicopter parents that kept us in a bubble. They encouraged us to just ride around on bikes and injure ourselves and shit within reason. That's so Uh, necessary. It really is. Yeah. I was allowed to ride a bike, but as far as media goes, I was very much, well, my mom tried to put me in a bubble and my whole existence was kind of like carving my way out of that bubble. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was like, I remember the type of monitoring where a a particularly violent sounding episode of Dragon Ball Z caused my mom to go, you know what? You can't watch this anymore. And I was like, (laughs) uh, what? See, that's not helpful because you're just going to go seek it out. Yeah, you're going to go yeah, get it out. Yeah, exactly. Just go next yeah. door to my friend's house during Dragon Ball Z time. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. So, so, as it relates to, so as it relates to YouTubers, like I, I think of the New York Times article where they're going around showing these videos where like Paw Patrol and shit is piled into a car together and like they, they drive into a fucking light pole and the car explodes and they all burn to death inside. And I, I think oh of God. how many times I just see. I mean, it is knee. Paw Patrol. We are a cab here. So that's we are, true. yeah. Be that, that's true. No, no, no. Some of the non police Paw Patrol members, oh, but no, similar, no. similarly themed first responding dogs. Like no. one of them just after <laughs> the news that this happens, they fucking kill themselves by leaping off of a building. The small dog, the small animated dog, this Newgrounds animated looking ass dog kills themselves. And I'm thinking, I swear to God, my niece had to have watched something like that at least once. She's typed the word Minecraft sex into the YouTube bar. once, <laughs> And I was like, what are Because I'm like stopping myself from saying to like think- a small child, what the fuck are you doing? But I was just like, honey, what is that? No. Are the is balls there- square? That feels like a rite of passage for a modern day. Uh, no, they they can't put genitalia on there. They're, like I don't know how the algorithm works, but like 
I think if you have a certain shape that like is recognized as genitalia, if it was Minecraft, how would you know? You know, that's true. Now maybe that's wild speculation on my point, but it, but that's the thing. Like, uh, I think of that in any time that she's been doing that, let alone, let alone live action stuff. These are like peppered in amongst genuine children's content too, right? Like, mm-hmm. exactly. like that's the weird part. It's like someone's out there kind of just being like, "Oh, I'm going to fuck with people." Yeah. And I think I think there needs to be a way to sort of address that uh the problem with YouTube versus say traditional television is uh YouTube has effectively replaced it. Uh any massive yeah. Viacom right. network like MTV, Comedy Central, even like All the network that, that they run like the Drag Race uh, program on, uh, they essentially only exist as like rerun channels now. Like all of them. They're rerunning like Married with Children and canceled uh, TV shows just to retain the licensing rights. Mm-hmm. YouTube won this war as did uh, streaming programs like probably four years ago. I want to ballpark it at. Yeah, that's so, TV now. Yeah, That's TV now. So there is too many things being const- constructed, made, uh, and like there aren't enough people on earth to consume all of the hours of content on YouTube. So effectively having guardrails on it uh, and and exposure, and I don't mean this in censorship terms. I mean this in terms of like uh, the content itself, and then being able to contextualize it. It's fucking day and night. My parents could not could not have had those conversations with me uh, if I had the amount of time alone I had back then that my nieces and nephews do now. Uh, so it's a massive uphill thing, and so a great deal of YouTube is just virulent, mean spirited dog shit. If not like outright violent incitement or this or that, or just uh, people that just sort of operate like traditional celebrities that do all of the same awful shit they do. And it's this massive upward arc. Uh, I I don't mean this in the satanic panic sense, but it, it, it seems like, YouTube has like done nothing in the way of meaningfully addressing that. Uh, and I think they could do it with the people that like work at this or, or create for the site, I guess. And like the people that consume content on the site, there's no, there's no pipeline for it because they, the most I've seen that seems to be like an indicator for what this will be in the future is just like a Facebook alert that I got where the terms of service are changing for Facebook. Let me see if I can find it right here where it says anytime you open it now and it keeps trying to do the service reminder, I got to find it. Uh, We're basically, we're going to change our rules and terms of service that you don't open us up to like legal action and shit. Now it feels like, uh, Congress and all of those people that do those little show hearings are probably going to clamp down on the big three like Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, 
in terms of a legislative oversight and probably direct oversight, which will, it doesn't seem better, but like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just falls under this tech bubble, right. Of mm -hmm. things, things that existed as, uh, you know, like essentially projects and whatever startups, if you will, that then very rapidly became uh, essentially like utilities that we use every day. And then also got scooped up by Google. So it's not like there was ever, YouTube was never going to be prepared for the amount of crap that they actually have to moderate. Um, but good Lord, the logistics of getting through that is I'm sure very challenging. Yeah. Maybe, I but mean, they, they also just don't give a shit because there's no, it's not like there's someone there who's worried about it. No, they, they don't give a shit and they won't until somebody, you know, actually introduces consequences. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if, if some like, like memory serves, like YouTube had a mass shooting from like a disgruntled YouTube person and that wasn't some sort of massive wake-up call for them that maybe they're fostering a weird sense of associations. Like, I don't believe it was tied to demonetization or something similar to that, but it was essentially someone that uh, had work there and their job was in jeopardy because this is a company of a thousand people and none of the departments talk to each other and no one knows what they're doing. It sounds uh, like a startup. They were essentially fucking with their money, and so they, they came back to, to, you know, to put, put a heater on some people. I thought um, her channel was demonetized. Yeah, I forget if it was the YouTuber or was an employee. It was the YouTuber. No, no it was it was the YouTuber because she kind of became an uh, kind of like a weird alt right Joan of Arc. I know Ben Garrison draws her like <laughs> an unusual amount, right. and he and he doesn't even like draw her hot. He just draws her looking like a fucking ghost. That's what it does it for some people. Um, yeah, uh, Ruben, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, uh, in terms of Jenna Marble's legacy, um, do you see this as like a model that can be replicated uh, as YouTube exists now? Because you engage with YouTube probably the most out of all of us, as far as I know. So, yeah. uh, uh, as a DIY perspective, as, as you know, one of the top jobs kids want, I probably they probably say streamers now. Probably changed like over the last two years, even. Yeah, sure, sure, um, yeah. But from a lot of kids that say they want to be a uh, career YouTuber at this point, this is definitely a model you cannot replicate by any means. This is very much a lightning in the ball situation where we have all these people. Uh, there are just countless people that have just careers uh, momentum you couldn't wish to have uh, in a thousand years that they have captive audiences of several million people and they could do anything they want at this point and it doesn't fucking matter just several million people will watch it and they'll always get round deals as a result um but now that that first wave is now kind of getting up there in age they're, they're cresting the hill we're, we're kind of seeing more in the space of following demonetization that alone is such a barrier to entry that YouTube will never pay you the cash these people were fucking getting. Uh, so just to, three just to stop you there, I want yeah. to stop you right there before you get into your three years bit. Uh, I want to ask you who you would consider like the first generation YouTubers. Uh, so I, I have a I have like a small list here. I, I kind of just went within five years of Jenna Marbles if her career. Um, started in 2010 following her 5 million 
video, uh, five million view video. Uh, we're looking in the range of uh, Smosh, if anyone remembers okay. them. Yep. Not a fucking clue. Uh, yeah, they're, like, uh, they're a small comedy group. It's like two guys. It's now a channel survived by like them having five other actors, and they kind of have a hand in videos going up. But you know, it's kind of like a college humor mill now of just yeah. like here's a joke, something relatable, maybe a meme. Um, Philip DeFranco. I'm not terribly familiar. I believe uh, Michelle. Oh, it's it's fucking miserable. Uh, yeah, I have a small anecdote about him, which was simply that that was the fir- that was my first exposure to someone showing me a YouTuber, going, "Hey, look at this guy's videos," and almost immediately I could see down the corridor to where we are now, a decade later, and I and I just sort of had this whole idea in my head of, "Oh, this is what." This is what entertainment will be, isn't it? Um, power, and, and at the same time, I was I was just not getting it at all. I was like, oh, I don't understand why. Uh, apology, apologies in advance for the misogyny, but imagine Ned Flanders, but more of a pussy. <laughs> I kind of, yeah. That's that's the vibe I get from the dude. And I was he's like, I just read the news. So re- he's so repellent. Yeah. Anyway, you know, um, so, nothing against go on. Just not something I would watch. Um, I mainly focused uh, this uh, DIY tuber talk uh, around Jenna Marbles because she's kind of the poster child for what I would consider the best trajectory for this kind of situation, where mm-hmm. it was just something she was kind of fucking around with. And uh, although the satisfaction of it wore off, and now she is in what I would consider a pretty tidy retirement, there's still some recovery yeah. efforts she has to make personally. Um, but compared to some other people that are just fucking trash bags, um, other first-generation YouTubers, uh, just hard examples, would be uh, Trisha Paytas. Is anyone familiar with her works? Mm-hmm. So Trisha Paytas is a nice drama tuber. Uh, she was personally an escort and is now uh, survived past demonetization uh, on OnlyFans. Uh, she was also doing like a Patreon or for whatever for a while, and um, famously has had sex with a lot of celebrities and talked about them here and there. Most notably would be. Um, maybe for money or maybe not having sex with Michael J. Fox for a period of time and being physically abused by him. Uh, and, Whoa. and Aaron Carter, the, who, the, the very <laughs> kid that beat Shaq. Holy shit. But at, when he was a meth addict in like his 30s or whatever. Uh, but uh, as for. Yeah, the- I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say just putting my bets in like meth Aaron Carter could beat Shaq. Child Aaron Carter could not beat Shaq. <laughs> the drugs like, go along. I'll, take, I'll, take your, I'll take your dollars against Meth Aaron Carter. How much is he allowed to do drugs? Does he have to use court time? Is he not dribbling and doing drugs? Or does no, he I'm just saying, have any of you ever worked in a factory? No. no. If you've ever worked in a factory, do you know someone who's been on amphetamines? They're going to be lifting shit. They're going... I mean, I've worked in a kitchen. Were they lifting shit next? Oh yeah, yeah right. same deal. Yeah, yeah. They're they're gonna be like find people on amphetamines there. Yeah, they're, oh, yeah. they're gonna be sweating. They're gonna be sweating. They're gonna be working faster than you, and they're constantly gonna be asking you, "Hey, don't you have something to do, man?" <laughs> and <laughs> like, like that's that's how it's gonna be. So like, yeah, amphetamines. Aaron Carter is gonna fucking blow out Shaq, especially if it's older Shaq. <laughs> He's gonna be he's gonna be doing front flips on his fucking head. If it's current day Shaq, I could see it being something of a tussle. Uh I mean, yeah, that's true. And sometimes if you hit this shit too hard, you're gonna put on a lot of weight. But that's neither here nor there. Uh as you were saying, Ruben. 
Oh, oh so yeah, I, I think I was trying to just wrap up the point on um, if you could recreate this success. And I, from my perspective, it'd be no fucking way can you because we are just at the point where this is everyone's content of right. I'm a fun vlogger. I'm a fun personality. I got my dogs. Maybe here's my kid. And yeah. it's it's something that has been repeated and attempted millions of times. Like you're not going to be in the 1% that break through for just no reason. Feels very lightning in a bodily. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, you forgot. Need, yeah. I mean, you need that X but, factor, right? Like Jenna yeah. Marbles is, I, you know, I didn't need to see any more of her content except for how to trick people into making yourself attractive. But that, that one video, you know, I've never forgot it because it was so fucking funny. And some people just have that, you know, they, they walk into the room, they get on stage, they get on a camera and everyone wants to look at them and consume them. And most you know, 99.9% of people don't have it. And a lot of the people at probably an even smaller percentage of people who actually want to have some sort of a a career where they get paid attention to professionally, very few of those people, even fewer and even lower percentage are going to have that X factor. Cause it's not the, it's not the people who go outside and get attention and get compliments every day who need to be in front of, you know, a camera. Like my little brother's a really good, good example. A very good point. He's fucking. He's like six two, six three. He's beautiful. He's a professional model. You know, he's he's had this amazing sort of small career. But unlike me, he doesn't have the same sort of. Like he did have a theater career, definitely, but he's not as much of an attention seeker as I am. And so as a result, like he's almost not online at all. And every time he has some sort of a career crisis, I'm like, you know, you could just start a fucking YouTube channel where you teach people how to sing opera. You would get millions of views within a couple years. I can coach you through this. It's not hard. And he's always like, eh, you know, he kind of demurs because he's just not really interested. And that's because every fucking time this kid goes outside, somebody invites him to be in a runway show. You know, <laughs> I I would say I would say it's not a hundred percent guarantee. A weird thing about YouTube, it's sort of the air quotes democratizing part of YouTube is the X factor can can happen in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. Now, beyond being incredibly attractive, uh, if you have like a certain sense of humor mm-hmm. or if you can tap into a sensibility that a lot of people feel very strongly about, you know, beyond the culture war reactionary crap, if you are very familiar in a field in a certain way, uh, like a lot of people that are in video games, YouTube, or like people that are really bad at playing video games, like the, like the game grumps guys or whatever, are not known for like their high level of play. More for but they're known, yeah, yeah. They're 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 charismatic people that are very good at recreating feelings that people have in their own home and household, and people could point at that and be like, hey, "Very relatable." I fucking suck at Sonic Adventure as well, yeah. And like that, that's the whole thing. And cultivating a fan base. Uh, it, it can it can depend on like traditional avenues or ways in, but like it's one of those weird things where it's like it's very hard to ask someone what they look for in like a, a YouTuber versus say a traditional celebrity ass celebrity. 
it's what's so mystifying about it to me. When I think of an entertaining person, right? I think of someone that can do something I can't do proficiently. And that's why that's why I sit down and I commit time to it because it's why you, and then you'll try to show someone or but yeah, and they, they've created like whole different forms of things like hot ones. Uh, it's just an interview right. where people jam peppers in their mouths. I mean, frankly, that's even that's one of the ones that I would find even more traditional, right? It's at the end of the mm-hmm. day, in, interview format has been on television forever. Right. But there's like YouTube channels that are just a guy who has ant farms and like it's it's called Ants Canada. And he's one of a bunch of different ants dudes. And you can just go to his channel if you want to see how all his ant farms are growing. And or, that, or those eater guys on TV before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, not not just mukbang. Those guys that like eat shit that doesn't make sense. Like, oh, you mean like Epic Meal Time? No, I mean like cement. Oh, like what? people are almost harming. People that are dying. Hotel. What are you talking? What eating drywall? No, no, no. Those, those, those guys that eat like drywall eating YouTube. Shit. That doesn't like, surprise me. I've never this. heard of it before, but I mean, like. We're talking about pica, which is the desire to eat non-food items, and it's sometimes That's it's a neurological fair. problem, and sometimes it's um, sometimes it's actually linked to like nutritional deficiencies. Pregnant women get pica a lot. Actually, if you if you watch that horrible like TLC reality show, My Strange Addiction, about eighty percent of the people on there who have a so-called addiction have pica. So they're eating like charcoal and clay, drywall. I mean, th- paper. Those are all like really classic pica um, materials. Hold to up. Eat. What would would hair eating be considered yes. pica? That's actually Ooh, wow. that's a very specific one. It's called mm-hmm. Rapunzel syndrome, and Rapunzel oh. syndrome sufferers get something called a bezoar. A bezoar is a huge oh. ball of indigestible material that just collects in your stomach, and it can't be passed through your intestines, so it just sits there. And sometimes it's harmless and it just kind of grows, but sometimes it'll get lodged in your gastrointestinal tract and you'll start to swell up and die. But yeah, if you Google Rapunzel syndrome, you get some really cool pictures of bezoars. Bezoars were a short jig to the side here. Bezoars are actually considered uh, in the medieval period to be highly uh, lucky and powerful medicine. Um, You find them in undulates a lot, like, uh, cows and deer and horses and stuff because they're always eating vegetables uh, vegetation so they'll get bezoars that are made of just like grass and stuff and that's normal but human human hair bezoars are, are a whole different thing so anyway the pica thing if you are having if you have pica and you're having weird urges to like eat paper or something but you're not ready to like start eating charcoal out of your aquarium going to youtube and watching somebody else do it can be you know, highly appealing. And I could certainly see how like subclinical cases of pica could definitely transfer for a certain segment of the population onto just watching somebody else do it. To a certain extent, that could be a harm reduction approach. And I'm sure other people are just in it for the freakishness, which brings me to the next point I was going to make, which is that sometimes the X factor is that just that you're a huge piece of shit and people love watching Mm. you suffer. Mm. So you get people like yeah. Nikocado Avocado. You ever hear of this guy? He was like a vegan oh, yeah. mukbang guy who just, I, I recently watched a nearly five hour video about what a piece of shit this guy is. And it was a, it's the, the video is actually horrible and really badly edited. Um, but 
the, I mean, the takeaway was that this guy is not attractive. He's not funny. He's not charming in any capacity. He has no specialized information to share. His life is just a huge shit show and he's a horrible person. So people, he got a pretty serious audience of people tuning in to either fuck with him to see him, you know, melt down or just to see what stupid shit he was going to do next and watch him suffer the, the reasonable oh, wow. consequences thereof. So I think that a lot of people who, you know, particularly have massive meltdowns have the X factor, but the X factor is that people really want to watch them suffer. Mm. There's there, there it's, it's great that you've mentioned that Eliza, uh, me, me and Jake have had this ritual lately where there's an American adaptation of an Australian program called Review. Uh, <laughs> yes. Basically, uh, Andy Daly yep. is a comedian where he he basically reviews life experiences instead of like media or this or that. That's right. Uh, and so he does it firsthand, very gonzo. If you've ever wanted to review, for instance, getting addicted to cocaine, or he will do it for you, or getting a divorce and then it destroying his life. Yeah, uh, like that seems like a sort of healthy outlet because it's like black comedy. Whereas it's also the scripted YouTube, television, it's also scripted television. But the YouTuber impulse is like to. No, no, I did not fuck my cat. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. I, no, we very much get these situations in real life uh, when it comes to YouTube. Right. Yeah, that's that's the strange thing. It's it it would be if the, like incongruity existing with YouTube and like that sort of shit being funny to me would make more sense if YouTube wasn't almost entirely structured by that when it comes to like, uh, I want to say subcultures engaging with it beyond like the, the main page and trending and stuff. Well, yeah, it's got a ton of them, right? There's, yeah. there's every subculture has a YouTube. There's people mm -hmm. who only talk about magic cards on YouTube. There's pimple popping YouTube. There's fighting game YouTube. And then obviously pimple. there's the stuff that's like that, this is more traditional people talking into a camera YouTube. Yeah. Everything. And it's all it's it's all beyond my ability to fucking reckon with. So for the most part like every every social media thing that I people complain about and fucking hate. Of course I engage with it, but like I try to do it in a specific way. I'm just like if I only watch things about maybe video games or if a podcast I enjoy has a channel, sure. click on that, bing bong. But if I ever fucking deviate, if I watch a news item or something, or like, like I listened to Joji recently because I was like, oh, that's the filthy Frank guy. Oh, sure. Yeah. So this is some good fucking God. That's a pop star now who started as a YouTube guy, right? That's all I Ruben, know. How much do you know about Joji slash Filthy Frank? Oh, I'm yeah, not that is that. an interesting case that's because that's another guy who starts on YouTube and then goes on to be uh, essentially doesn't need to use YouTube anymore. But that's because he pivoted to music. So that is different. Yeah. Basically, just imagine more excessive than South Park level of racism and homophobia. But. <laughs> To such an extent uh, that it, 
you know, it's very hard to take it on its face as things this guy actually believes because it's so pronounced. Uh, but Shan Strucci was talking about in a video where where uh, the the just kill yourself because you're gay or whatever video basically like <laughs> fucking is always used sort of in the pejorative by a certain set of people that it kind of normalizes a message. Is this kind a of video easy to see. The guy made. Uh, it, it's incorporated into a video. His, yeah. his big thing was known for like video. doing songs. And also doing really weird outdoor sort of abrasive jackass style skits. Yeah. Like a lot of these guys grew up with Borat and like, does anyone here remember Tom Green? Oh, yes. Of course. Like Tom Green, Tom Green did a lot of the shit that these people were doing. uh, Yeah. And was bankrolled like by Viacom via MTV to do this shit. In a in a way that a lot of these people couldn't even dream of having had happened. Does he still like, have his? It was a radio show, right? Internet radio show. It was a it was an internet TV show that was kind of a little bit of a the one that four chan radio show. Yeah, the one that four chan rated it. Oh, hard. yeah, that's yeah, that's like high school memories for me. He lost his. Sh- it was a very successful raid. It was one of one of four chan's yeah. triumphs. Yeah. Yeah. Like he moved to that after a short-lived late-night style show. Uh, I remember the last episode I ever saw of it. Reasonably so was when the bum fights guy came on to oh, late wow. night with Tom Green, and like Tom Green was like, "No, actually, I fucking hate this, and I need to have a talk with my producer about this because <laughs> oh, these wow. aren't the people I want to associate with." I mean, good because well, no, because they were showing footage of it where this guy was like pouring a like cleaning agent on a homeless man where Tom, he's just aghast. And this is a guy that, you know, covers himself in shit and dead animals, but he's just, if anyone is messed with in a Tom green thing, like Connor O'Malley, the the guy who's getting hit with this. Let it never be said that he doesn't know where the line is. Yeah. And that's the thing. Uh, like YouTubers kind of like to imagine themselves cut from that cloth, but like, I don't think they've ever gotten to that point with the exception of like well, a very specific group of alt-right people. Right. I was about to say we had, we, we have, we have, we had alt-right YouTubers con their way into getting an adult swim show. So, uh, well, I mean, I don't know if I'd say con, I think it was like a lack of vetting and that's, a whole I could, different conversation. I, could, yeah. I, I guess a lack of vetting would be more appropriate, but I can more. That's not Apollo Jordan. Uh, the only reason that show ever got existed was just a uh, white man being stubborn. Because like most most of the stuff, God, I think one guy that worked with him didn't he get into it like the director. Boogie? Or whatever. So we're talking about Million Dollar Extreme, which was basically an alt-right comedy group that started on YouTube as a cat named Sam Hyde who just deserves to get stabbed. Um, but gonna cut that. <laughs> don't worry about it. No, he was talking uh, about Minecraft in Minecraft. Stabbing. All right, Minecraft yeah, in game parody. He should be Minecrafted. Uh, so they they essentially pitched and got to shoot a pilot from Adult Swim. And uh, the guy who worked on the pilot is a friend of a friend 
the director and and hated all of them and never did not work with them again for the series at all. Um, and from the get go, it was something that I don't think many people enjoyed. I think it was approved in order for Adult Swim to have some type of. Uh, I guess they wanted a show where they could go, look, we're not just libs, which doesn't make sense, but that's what happens when your company's still at the end of the day run by old white dudes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they made like six episodes of this genuinely awful, like racist, misogynistic, bad sketch show. Uh, it's, and then it got, and then it turned on them essentially. So people hated it. It got pointed out that it existed because it really wasn't advertised. Got, I think the big gotcha they a, was they got a uh, giant yeah. wave of negative press, mm-hmm. um, and then they canceled the show, which then got them a giant wave of alt right hate, <laughs> uh, to the point where like extra security had to be hired to be outside the offices of Adult Swim and stuff like that. So it was just a, a bad thing all around. But the I genesis, the, big of it, the genesis of it is still YouTube sketches. It's still YouTube dudes. Yeah. Like, I remember the big gotcha was basically that they were trying to like link this and like people made a very easy post to make, which was just Sam Hyde and like fucking weave with the big swastika. Oh, yeah. The Anishkazi guy with a fucking swastika on his shoulder, American history X style. Like, uh, you know, I hate to be a guilt by association person, but uh Something seems fucked up here. I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. And and that's the thing. They're still trying to penetrate it. Uh, That that kind of uh, subculture sort of headspace, like uh, Truth Point with like Drill and Derek Davison. You could see that as a sort of opposite end of that, I guess. They're they're trying to do it in the other... Also, that's also not on TV. That's literally just a streaming show. That's just Very a streaming different. show, and yeah. the the views the views are I basically <laughs> no, no. It's like twenty thousand. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's twenty thousand compared 20, to a lot 000, of the other Adult Swim streaming stuff. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad, honestly, comparatively. But they they're still trying to find a way to make different modes of shit. Uh, fit into what YouTube is and what streaming is. And I don't think there's any one clear path now. Like the traditional models are out the window. Honestly, I think the next big thing will be VR. Like beyond Twitch or whatever. <laughs> what? That's hmm, that's interesting. You know how if VR chat... Specifically with YouTube? Or do you see VR chat... Actually, VR chat and the like. If you're telling me I could be in the audience physically with a VTuber and then like you play paintball or something, I don't know, between them doing segments, that could actually be pretty fucking raw right there. That's definitely I mean, yeah, again, the VR thing is a hardware issue, but like, you know, we'll get yeah, there. They, one don't, they don't have the audience yet, but I mean, yeah, if there's a world in 10 years, it's a word that'll have VR. <laughs> oh, VR, VR headsets. I, I literally only say that because uh, when it comes to DIY as it relates to celebrity and now, and as someone that consistently still plays Fortnite like a psychopath, uh, it feels like the future is straight up going towards the way of Ready Player One trailer park favelas. Like, so I feel like our idea of celebrity and creators in that specific space uh, 
the upward arc will move towards that and incorporating that. Uh, and it's just gonna, it's just gonna be all set up buffet style. And this, in this humble creative's opinion, uh, it's, I feel like the race to the bottom, uh, hopefully will, will incorporate more comfort and ease, but, uh, will sort of have different textures and contours than the parasocial relationships we have now. It'll feel more like a fucking game show. Uh, just like in a lot of the ways that a lot of games incorporate what you guys were, or were talking about earlier, like Twitch sort of well, taking over the traditional YouTuber. Yeah. I mean, what I was going to try to, you mentioned all this ready player one stuff in the future, but I think, I think what, what's kind of interesting to talk about is how that's, we can we can sort of well you you're able to to kind of go off that conjecture from what we have now which is both happening on youtube and twitch as vtubers which is kind of something that previously we could we could conceive of but the tech wasn't good enough i guess uh we're now uh, we have full-on custom anime girls that are just playing video games with you that's what i'm saying what i'm trying to tell you jake is we have the dog furry girls doing ecom bokum yeah. We have that <laughs> shit. We have we have Japanese VTube girls constantly saying the N-word from GTA 5. We are going to have in the next five or so years a controversy where a dude is Knuckles the Echidna, and he is he is constantly grooming several tails the foxes. Tails miles prowers. This is I don't fucking like it. It brings me no pleasure to think about this shit. But I I don't I don't see uh, this future where a lot of us are left to our own devices and we constantly want to recreate the feeling of another person in the room, uh, being our friend distantly, uh, having outcomes where we don't then move towards wanting more sort of faux actualization. Like if that makes sense. Well, you don't, you don't want the mortifying ordeal of being known. I mean, that's the whole point is that you've got, you've got your Twitch friends and your YouTube friends and they don't fucking know you. So you, you do not have to show up at all. So every time pe- we, we talk about YouTubers and Twitch streaming and personalities like that, I am vividly reminded of this one particular scene in Fahrenheit 451, which everyone has read, but I swear to God, no one remembers this scene. The protagonist comes home from his job and walks in on, I guess it's his wife or maybe his mom, I can't remember. And she is in the living room, which has three walls, which are just large projection screens and on these screens are a panel of just people who are chatting amongst themselves in exactly the same way as we have youtubers doing today or like you would watch the television show the view or something like that which Mm -hmm. is youtube for boomer karens so this it's just a very brief scene of this woman who is alone in her house putting something on television that simulates having people in her house in a social capacity. And this is so 
prescient and nobody knew at the time. But I read this book when I was probably 13, which, you know, I'm a pretty old millennial. So this stuff when I was that age was like just around the corner. We were kind of just ready to to see because like Jenny Cam and stuff like that popped up a few years later. And I was like, aha, here it is. Here's here is the living room full of fake people. And then, of course, there's the uh, Pictures for Sad Children comic strip about you've got a VHS tape of an Asian woman frying an egg and asking you about your day. So we have created that in real life. And the other movie that's like literally completely about this stuff is Strange Days, the Catherine Bigelow movie from God that came out in like 95 or something. It's just unbelievably old for how good it is. Um Everybody needs to watch Strange Days, and I will. I will give a yeah. a huge yeah, yeah. warning for that because it it's uh, like the, the Ray Fiennes, Angela Bassett, Whoa. Yeah. directed it's by Catherine Bigelow, Catherine written Bigelow. by James Cameron. It is the one of the greatest cyberpunk films ever made, if not the greatest. It should be topping lists above The Matrix. No, nice. I like no shit. Um, but it was. It's so old. And it came out like in the mid nineties that it was just, it, it knew way too much. So it never got the attention that it deserved because if you watch it, you know, 30 years later or whatever, you're like, holy fucking shit. How is this movie so old? How did she know? And she just fucking knew, but yeah, content warning for that is like the, the primary plot line is about um, a dude going around making POV snuff rape porn which is then circulated on on the, on the black market and i i will say this um like a minor spoiler alert i guess but not really Catherine bigelow is probably one of the only directors i would trust with this kind of material and she shows you know the 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 main male protagonist you know a uh, d- detective it's it's a noir it's like a cyber noir watching this video and the, the, the way that he manages to act through the experience of the VR set, which is not just a visual thing in, in, in the movie, it's like a head jack. It's, it's a total, total body experience kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this intense crippling ambivalence of this is porn, but it's also giving me brain damage because it's, I'm watching and I am killing somebody, you know, during a sex crime. And, you know, it's like she, she really, despite it being extremely explicit, it is in no way punishing the audience or a celebration or exploitative of the subject matter. And it's such a good example of the form of like, if you want to use rape in your narrative, this is how to do it effectively to really like make an impression on the audience, but also not to make it into pornography itself, you know? Because it compromises the, it compromises the character or at least his ability to kind of uh, reckon with his job. And then like, there's like a voyeuristic part of it too. Right. In order to figure this out, you've got to dive in and you've got to compromise yourself a little bit. Yeah. And you've, you've got to inflict a little damage on yourself. Yeah. It's, there's a, there's a lot of great ideas at play uh, in that movie. I think, I, yeah. I've not, uh, not seen it. This movie looks awesome. You're going to love yeah, it. That's, yeah. That's the thing. Look at uh, the past right now. I think 
I think now when we kind of, you know, trying to diagnose anything is always wild. If I had to take a stab at it, I think uh, without just simply saying the word alienation by itself, because I feel people are getting fucking lazy with it now. Mm -hmm. uh, The idea of romance and traditional love feel as though they're eroding. Uh, in many ways, a lot of social bonds are breaking down completely. Mm-hmm. We have fucking bad boundaries with one another because of how often we engage one another and even simple manners and shit. Mm-hmm. And then you add societal factors like political ad- atomization and all of this and the digital spaces that relates to that in creating things is how much of it is actually coming from you uh, in your own motivations for creating something versus you trying to fit into that box. And then you don't even know you're becoming some sort of uh, romantic, distant, uh, voyeuristic love object to someone else. You're becoming white noise in the room. You're the hand, you're the hand that they want to grab, but can't. And it would feel worse if they could. Or they want an approximation of that, that that nourishes them. And it, it's strange thinking about that as it relates to creation now. Uh, I think I think we, where you get more engagement because all of these things, social media, YouTube, the hits, uh, specifically giving anyone analytics, uh, for their engagement should be like a fucking crime punishable by law because <laughs> you're just going to follow those trends. It, tra- it changes. You're going, to, and you're going to unwind yourself. You're going to be looking for venues for that engagement loop. Mm-hmm. You're fucking you're, <laughs> like they should study a lot of the people that just do and just just fully go into the analytics because that serotonin loop. Yeah. All of that happiness. Watching bars go up. Watching the number go up. It it will make that's literally insane. And I've I'm I've had to go out of my way to avoid that kind of feedback loop. And fucking Patreon, every time I go to Patreon on the very front page, it will tell me how many people have unsubscribed that month. And it's like, I don't want to know. Don't show me that shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you have to like go, I have 20,000 Twitter followers now, and I've been doing, you know, my career online for like 20 years now. So I, I have learned through putting my hand on the stove many times that you don't name search, you do not, you, you explicitly tell people, if you see someone talking shit about me, do not show me, I don't care. Um, exactly. You, you have I think to- the only time I've ever done that is like, okay, safety, but that's it. Like, if someone's going to try to cut off my fucking head, tell me. Right. But I don't want to argue with some fucking uh, Jagov with, like, 10 followers. But I'm I'm sorry for interrupting. No, that's that's exactly what what I'm just – what I'm trying to say. And I I think a lot of people don't – they want to do – it's it's self-harm. You know, they want to pull their hair out. You want to pull your eyelashes out. You want to cut your your arm up. But – Instead, you're name searching and you're listening to what the other YouTubers are saying about you in their stupid mukbang video about how, you know, you feed your dog a vegan diet, which I think is horrible. But that's just like an example, you know, 
And so you get, that's Nika Kato's downfall is that he just got obsessed with other YouTubers talking shit about him in his videos. And it just created this massive feedback loop. And of course we're all like in the ape house on the other side of the glass hooting and hollering because it's incredibly entertaining and we don't actually care about any of these people. So it's like watching WWE, you know, but the difference being that these are real people who have real lives that are really right. apart, which is something that a lot of internet audiences don't get. People will write fan fiction about podcasters getting into like sexual relationships with other podcasters and think it's fine. You know, that's been going on forever. Oh, definitely. The fan, the kind of fan mentality of, yeah. of content consumption, I suppose. Yeah, they don't think these real people are real. It's fucked. And that that's, I don't mean, I don't think it's necessarily all bad, but if I, you know, you put a gun to my head, what am I going to think of when I think of a lot of this? And first, it's going to be, I think the most followers I ever had in the Twitter days was like 5,000. And it's a lot of people hanging on your words. And if you just want to do like I do and like be an idiot uh, and like post nudes or say stupid jokes a lot or post a lot of not necessarily bad, but visually off putting things to some people (laughs) like like things I wouldn't consider morally bad, but it's like. That's a horny that I know people are going to be like, eh. and that's that. That is what it is. But like, you you will have a bunch of legitimate criticism or this or that, and you can't control any of it. And I try to set up boundaries with some people, and a lot of people didn't respect them, and. For me, watching it extrapolated over people, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to be someone engaging millions of people and how that would fuck with your brain. Sure, uh, the higher level, especially especially with so many of them that seem to have like very few in person people in their personal lives. Uh, so yeah. Well, what's her name? Just posted a picture of herself having a miscarriage to Twitter. Yeah. Oh, right. I I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. Chrissy T. I still don't know who she is or what she does. And I'm tired of hearing about her, but yeah, she was a model that uh, at some point or another married John Legend and John Legend's wife. Now she's like a, she's like a snarky online liberal, basically in so many words. Like my heart fucking goes out to her. Right. But are you kidding me? It, it took me. I need you needed to know that. I posted from the hospital, but first, I did not have a miscarriage. That's a whole other thing. And right. second, I did not post like the day that I arrived. You know, I did not go on fucking Twitter when I woke up in the ICU. That was not my first impulse. And then when when a bunch of people posted like, "Really? From from the hospital?" Chrissy, and then a bunch of other, you know, scolds showed up in the mentions of those people and was like, well, I, my girlfriend had a miscarriage. And if I didn't take a pic, I literally saw this, the following comment. Wow. If I hadn't taken a picture that day and shared it on social media. I would have forgotten about it. And it's just wow. like, 
Uh, sure about that? Have you, you moved sure about your that? goalposts so much? Yeah. Like, here's the fuck thing about that. It was a black and white photo. Yep. So what's fucked about that is that went through an editorial layer. Oh, it of wasn't course. just the person that took it in the moment. No, she has a team. She has a team that's, that helps with that that's photo. Fucked. That's fucked. And it wasn't a selfie. So a third person took that picture, handed her the phone for approval after editing, and she uploaded it. Like I think I think if there's a negative part of of that end of the social uh experience as it relates to it, it's that you sort of commodify human experience and human pain as like sort of fandom like markers, which is sickening because as, as you spoke about, uh, about fan fiction, as soon as I saw the black and white photo, I immediately thought in the back of my head, probably the most intrusive fucking thought ever, which is like, someone's going to do fan fiction about that baby surviving. They're going to have names. That baby is going to have a whole life. Oh, yeah. uh, oh my God, you're not wrong. Romantic, romantic fixations, uh, the problems all their own, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a life at school. How is this baby uh, coping with COVID? And, you know, <laughs> you know, in that moment, I wanted to fucking melt. Uh, and so now I want to take us away from the darkness because, baby, we've been swimming in it. <laughs> uh, and I want to ask all three of you sort of a final Final note, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with uh, Ruben first. What what is your platonic idea of like your your favorite kind of YouTuber? What 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 would you love to see from a YouTuber where you wouldn't feel like you were going to the hell place of the mind? You weren't in brain prison. Starting with Ruben. Uh, first of all, don't start with me. B. Uh, hmm. B. The ideal tubescape. So do you? You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. No, no. Clarify. Freestyle what, it. What, what do you like? Yeah, freestyle it. What, what would be a good thing to like that wouldn't suck ass? Um. Oh man, I saw a dude like just chiseling for like two hours into a stone. Mm-hmm. It was pretty fucking sweet. There's um, a Twitch Twitch streamer that's gotten famous for doing wood carving lately. If it's not just manual tasks and just making a good product that also is a good product, because when someone fucking uses a lathe and they're like, I put plastic straws in resin and then turned it into a vase, I want to fucking kill you. It looks so ugly. Why'd you spend 10 hours doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it all just circles back to Jenna Marbles, baby. If it's not <laughs> just what, general models with a fucking lathe. If it's not something useful, it, it should just be someone being that's incredibly genuine. Um, isn't a shitty person secretly and is just a fun personality on YouTube. It really just seems like, Hey, just fucking, I like my dogs, check my fucking dogs out, uh, make a fun music video, uh, of note. Uh, of Jenna Marble was more like conducted works that weren't in the vlog sphere or like the last half of what she did. Uh, she made a really good music video called uh, Three Looks. Mm-hmm. I advise everyone go check that out when you have time for it. Um, but it's really just genuine people or the next thing closest to sincerity is someone making something useful. <laughs> Otherwise, it's all just a fucking waste of time and not very all interesting. Right. All right. So Ruben and Submation, uh, Jenna Marbles with a lathe and the dogs out. Jake, 
How about you? Uh, I'll bring it back to nerd town here. Um, so I think YouTube is neat because it can be a home for content that would literally otherwise not exist. And we know a lot of that can be mediocre stuff. But for me, uh, I like that in the form of um, <clears throat> sort of improvement uh, for competitive endeavors. So it's not like I can turn on my TV and learn how to play some old fighting game from 2002. Uh, but on YouTube, I can find plenty of videos that show me all of the systems and breakdowns of those types of games that I like to learn. Uh, so essentially, I, I just use YouTube for that kind of stuff. A lot of the channels I follow are fighting game related or competitive game related. Uh, with the with the focus of, hey, I got to consume this content somehow because that's how I'm going to learn. And uh, this is where it ends up. You, you used to have to go to like GameFAQs.com and download some janky MP4 video or something. But uh, this is where the tech is at. All right. So 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 you're into utility. I, 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 can yeah, appreciate I, just, I just like the content on you that happens to be on YouTube that is focused on what I'm looking for, which is usually nerd, nerdy video game stuff, uh, either tournament archives or videos specifically about like how to do something in a video game. All right. And Eliza, uh, yourself? Um, I'm trying to think. I, I have a deep antipathy towards YouTube, like generally. So all of the YouTube content that I actually enjoy, not all of it, but 99% of it is stuff that someone has archived off of a VHS from like 1986. And YouTube mm. is just invaluable for that because that stuff mm -hmm. vanishes. Like it, it, it will rot away on VHS tape or celluloid in somebody's closet unless somebody saves it. Um, like there's episodes of, of Doctor Who that we just don't have because they were broadcast live. No one ever recorded them and they're just gone now. And mm, wow. no, nobody had a VHS set up at the time. So there's like lost episodes of a show that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people were watching at the time and it's just gone. So that, that, <laughs> shit, that it just scares the shit out of me. I think that archiving is so important and there have been, it's just something I've fought my entire career. Cause even something like the Grover house thread, you know, it's like the, the possibly the most popular and wide reaching thing I've ever done on Twitter is now literally unreadable because two years or three years after it came out, Twitter just decided to change the way that their threading works. So now it's, it's unreadable. I'm going to have to archive it in a different form and reupload it. So, you know, I, I want to, and we have a, I have a, a video server, which is kept up by some friends of mine. Um, but I originally started it on SyncTube, which a bunch of people just go and watch YouTube together. Um, and the, the URL is video.genderreject.net. But the main channel is just called Documentary Chat, aka We Love to Learn. And We Love to Learn is almost entirely instructional and documentary videos. So me and me and Ruben have done some watches of that. It's yeah, great stuff. Me too. Yeah. Good place, good time. So a lot of that stuff is like um, one of the popular, most popular videos in that channel is an official instructional video, probably from the nineties from, I think Winnipeg about how to make Olympic quality curling ice on an ice rink. And it's just a VHS tape that your boss would have shown you when you showed up to work for orientation. And it's just a bunch of guys named fucking Keith with backpacks <laughs> full of water, putting spray after spray down of very fine 
water vapor down onto ice to make this perfectly smooth curling ice surface. And they talk about, you know, you want pebbling for some parts of the ice for a little bit more friction. You want, you know, super smooth, like mirror ice and for other parts. And they go through all of the, how to lay down the stripes and how to use your, um, your, your lane painter for that, how to measure Question. stuff. What? Question. So is it like a bowling lane at all where they design alleys for curling or is it just a preferred area of like mirror center and then pebbled sides? I don't know exactly because I don't know that much about curling. Um, but it is a regular ice rink, I think, just that would normally be used for hockey or just for ice skating. And then they put a, they put a special texturized finish on it specifically for curling. So I, I think yeah. that the pebbling goes in some areas and the super smooth ice goes in, in different areas. Um, and they have to like embed team logos and stuff in the ice underneath the layers. So there's, it's kind of like, uh, it's like window glazing in a sense or laying down resin or, or anything that deals with transparent layering. Um, so we, we fucking love this video. Everyone just goes apeshit every time it comes on because it's <laughs> just, it's endlessly rewatchable. It has absolutely no... Uh, relevance to anybody in the channel's actual life, but there's something about it, you know, and we never ever would have seen it otherwise. Um, which is, you know, going back to to what Jake was saying about how this this stuff wouldn't it wouldn't exist; it would just be gone. So I, that's my favorite use of YouTube, and it's not to make new material. It's like yeah, it's a kind no, of that's skill set you'd really wish to interact with in real life. I would really die to be on a fucking curling team, just like in a volunteer capacity, just to he build the curling ring. Is, curling is sick. It's very sick. I have a he miniature would. curling iron. It has a marble bearing in it and you can slide it. <laughs> I have a couple of these from a little nice. uh, gotcha machine. Yeah. Uh, so, so for Eliza, uh, an archivist project uh, that almost never ends in a, in a bandwidth situation that is very ephemeral. No one knows how the fuck that will be resolved with YouTube. Oh, if you want to. Uh, yeah. And Keith, big ups to Keith, who's always keeping that ice real smooth, real pebbly. Oh, yeah. A nice hell of um, uh, archival is uh, part of my job, which works in um, private archiving for family <laughs> use, typically, is um, someone was actually trying to get us to recreate a copyright video because it's like one VHS tape on a specific knitting technique uh, nice. to create certain uh, they didn't explain it I should have pulled the video uh, and seen it um, but they were like there's no other fucking way I, there aren't any trainers or anyone else I know like I was the only person on the, my block doing this and I shot this video in the 70s of how to make these fucking things and I need to archive this so I can watch it again and A make them again and B or fucking no one's going to remember how to do this yeah and that, uh, I that knowledge vanishes. I live in a personal hell of watching people just throw away thousands of hours of footage because they don't want to spend like a couple hundred bucks and just like, you know what? Uh, my family's history isn't worth $500. And when right. I fuck this up and throw the end, these are going to get wet in the basement and be gone forever right. in a couple months. Uh, you know, uh, terrifying. It's unpleasant at the least. Yeah. Terrifying at, at a little more. Um, for me, uh, my ideal sort of YouTube would be like, uh, I don't people that are actually funny on YouTube. Sure. Uh, you know, 
not to be an elitist, but I really don't like the YouTube point of origin uh, sense of humor. Like, like the Smosh style shit or whatever, where it's a, like a bunch of just bad sketches. Similar, a lot of very similar Bieber esque haircuts, a lot of polo shirts, or uh, this very specific sort of. Uh, I don't know how to say that beyond beyond say your Ralph Lauren or whatever. Just just very polo, very very khaki style humor, uh, like. I really enjoy sketch comedy and traditional stage stand-up comedy. And anytime I go onto a streaming site, uh, a lot of the comic specials kind of run into the same jokes. And I knew this was a thing that was happening when there were like seven or so above ground swimming pool fucking jokes to the point where Dave Chappelle was making above ground swimming pool jokes. Like, do they all know the same fucking guy with an above ground pool? Is there a good above ground uh, pool joke? What's the joke? No, no, it's cause it, we want, we want a real pool, which is a pool that is below ground. Yes. With like the stone and shit. Like the joke was just complaining I, that it wasn't a real pool. It's a pool. It's like a away. poor it's like a poor person's cool pool. It's like, man, fuck off. I would swim in an above ground pool if it was near me. I wouldn't now because it's obviously very cold, but uh, you know, that's it. Like I would actually like funny people to be on YouTube and uh I mean there's a massive deficit in that. Yeah. I think a lot of people uh you definitely have your try to just do vine transfers that I mean, have a point of origin somewhere else like eliza's tiktok's thread is amazing so many good vids yeah a lot uh, of which are like, now deleted you know if i hadn't fucking downloaded them they'd just be gone which is the exception not the rule mm-hmm. so i want like more funny shit as opposed to just floatsome and Jetsam. I want to talk about Vine. Connor O'Malley is the only guy that comes to mind these days, but there are people in the past that have, that, I mean, Donald Glover started on YouTube basically. That's true. So, but, but again, he's, he is more of an exception. Well, with that in mind, folks, uh, we, we went through a lot of things. We, you know, we, we discovered a lot about ourselves, uh, about life, about God, about the sun, God, Ra, and all in all, uh, YouTube, uh, don't go on it if you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, don't go and to that website. Yeah, don't, don't go to that website. But if you have to make something on that website, for fuck's sake, please make something fun or enjoyable or archive old footage of old commercials uh, that probably haven't aged that well and look artifacted as fuck. Mm-hmm. Or... Try to learn a discipline like curling. Yes. Or or just try to make the next uh, FGC Yipes video. Yeah. On that note, fighting games. I'm Michelle Perez speaking for Ruben, Jake, and Eliza Gager. You've been listening to uh, We'll be distributing this on uh, many known platforms. We hope you enjoyed it, and we're going to try to put out as much as we can for you. You have a great rest of your day. It was great talking with all of my co-hosts here. Thanks. And uh, take care of yourself, y'all. Later, Gators.